Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome everyone to Dragon Quest FM. My name is Austin. I'm BJ. And this week we're talking about Dragon Quest Swords, uh, the Masked Queen and the Tower of Mirrors, uh, which was released back on the Wii in 2007. We spent a weekend, well really a 24 hour period, uh, (laughs) playing this game. Uh, But before we get into all of that, uh, we're recording this episode on Wednesday. It goes out on Friday, we're recording on Wednesday. And so this morning, we finally got the demo for Dragon Quest XI-S. Yeah, I've already Woo-hoo. got it downloaded on the uh, Switch beside me. I haven't been able to boot it up yet. Yeah, same here. I, uh, I downloaded it this morning, and uh, my oldest daughter, Naomi, was like, are we going to play Yoshi? And I was so. And it wasn't a good time to play video games, so I was just like, no, I've got it. I was trying to explain downloading to her, and I don't think she got it. She's three, so downloading is kind of like a a very abstract concept. It's hard to convince people. It's hard to actually get people to understand downloading who have been around it for a while. They get the term wrong between downloading and uploading and like copying from a flash drive. So a three-year-old? No, not even going to try. Uh, but some of the we got some cool stuff. Uh, they showed a video this morning, and that I actually you know told you about this morning because I got super excited. I just happened to be on Twitter at the right moment, and I know one thing that you and I have been really excited for was the Yochi Village stuff. Yeah, and I haven't been able to watch the video yet, so you're actually telling me about it. I've gotten five minutes into it, and then work hit, and I haven't been able to go back to keep it uh, rolling. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so I guess Yochi Village for the Western version, it's called Tickington. Okay. Um, you'll notice some clock puns here, uh, but there's Tickington is the name of the village, and the instead of being Yochis, uh, like they are, uh, they're called Tacos. Okay, Tacos, thought, not Tacos. Yes, I thought they were Tacos. It sounded like in the video that they were saying Tacos, um, which is and- hilarious in one way. Is uh, it, it, it's really funny that that would be a pun to begin with. But also, I know how much you hate people making taco puns. I learned that <laughs> this weekend. I didn't know that until, like, like you and I have known each other for 10 years, and I had no idea that you hated taco puns until it's, this past weekend. It's not even taco puns. I just, I just don't like the Adventure Zone. Um, <laughs> I just don't think naming a character Taco Bell is funny. Um, but anyway, it's not tacos. It's tacos. And I thought it was tacos because it sounded like that, but it also... You know, it's Dragon Quest, so I thought they were making like a taco pun. Right. You know, but um, but someone someone on Twitter was like, actually, they're called tacos. And uh, then later on this morning, I saw an article uh, from like a Nintendo website, and they said tacos. So I guess it is tacos instead of tacos is what they're called. Um, a lot of the other stuff in the demo is just like gameplay stuff, which, you know, we've seen a bit of. Uh, but we did actually, they showed you in Tickington where you can go through to uh, the other, to like the uh, to the other worlds from previous Dragon Quest games, right? And that was pretty cool. Uh, they showed us nine today, 
Um, Which is really you, awesome for me because I adore Dragon Quest Nine. Yeah, you uh, you go through the portal and you're like up there at, at the observatory by the Yggdrasil tree. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, saw so that was pretty cool. Um, so that's just some kind of highlights, and hopefully uh, next week when we record, I'm sure you and I will both be through the demo, uh, pretty maybe even done with it. I'm not sure. I haven't read anything about where the demo ends. I haven't um, either. I've seen, I, I want to say that uh, I saw Alec Burton mention that it didn't matter where it ended, that uh, every single thing that he could do in the demo was going to be done. Like he was going to max it out before uh, 11S came out. And I'm like, I have a feeling that you and I may do the exact same thing. Like whatever the limits are, we're going to hit the hard cap yeah. <laughs> on that demo. Yeah, I I kind of think, I, I have nothing to base this on, but I kind of just assume that the demo ends, uh, you know, at the beginning of the game, Eric and the Luminary jump off a cliff, and then it's like, Dragon Quest Eleven. Yep. That's where I, I feel like that's probably a good place for a demo to end, um, because you get a couple of zones. Uh, you get kind of a tutorial dungeon. You get a zone where you can level up and fight stuff, and you get the kingdom, Heliodor. Yep. You do. Uh, so it's kind of like a, you kind of get uh, quite a bit right there. Uh, and then it would kind of make sense that it would end right there where the uh, game title gets displayed. I'm um, hoping that's the case. I'm really hoping, like, I was thinking it would either be there or at when he leaves the main village, when he leaves that first village and you no longer have the dog in your party, which still makes me upset, that uh, you, <laughs> you get uh, uh, to, uh, that's where I thought it might lead. also I, leave just when you start the adventure, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think that might be too short because that's only like a twenty-minute demo. So that's uh, oh I wow, think that's that's uh, shorter than I remember it being. Maybe I just oh, took my time going through it. Oh yeah, it's really quick. Even exploring, like breaking the pots. I mean, you might spend an hour there, but nothing okay. too crazy. Uh, so anyway, so let's get straight in to Dragon Quest Swords. And I will say that I want to thank our Patreon patron DJ Pimp Daddy for uh, he subscribed to to the uh, Dragon Quest FM Patreon, and his request for show was obscure Dragon Quest titles, uh, like Rocket Slime, and obviously Dragon Quest Swords is one of the more obscure ones. So when we had the opportunity to really play it together, uh, Austin has also beat Rocket Slime. That's an episode coming up. I'm playing through Rocket Slime right now, and with DQ Swords here, uh, we are going to cover some of the more obscure ones uh, at a patron request. So so if you have any ideas about that, you can go to patreon.com slash dragonquestfm and you'll be able to uh, tell us what to talk about. Yeah, so uh, so just a quick summary here. BJ flew down to Florida. He was at a uh, podcast convention, which we kind of talked about last week. Uh, he got to my house. We recorded last week's episode. And then uh, the next day after my kids went down to nap, we decided to play Dragon Quest Swords. I got my Wii out. He brought his game down with him. Uh, we plugged it in, got all that stuff set up, uh, and we started playing it. Um, now, uh, just initially, uh, you hated the controls. I hated the controls. Um, but for a 12-year-old game, we thought it looked really pretty. Like the yeah. graphics, I think, hold up pretty well. 
it was surprising how they held up compared to modern Dragon Quest type games. I say type games because it's not just Dragon Quest, but even on an HD TV, the Wii graphics on this one didn't look terribly muddy or blurry. That it was very, I don't want to say crisp either, but it was not an ugly game by any means like a lot of that generation is when you look at them on an HD TV. Mm-hmm. And then. We got, I want to say, through the first chapter, right. uh, which is like kind of the tutorial dungeon, boss, all that kind of stuff. And then I guess uh, you looked it up on like howlongtobeat.com, yep. and we realized that it was only about a nine-hour story, most people were saying. And which so, I did not have any idea. I would not expect a Dragon Quest game to be nine hours. I was expecting this to be like minimum 15, probably a 15 to 20-hour game. And it wasn't. It was everything was saying like completionist was ten and a half to fifteen. So it was like, huh, okay, yeah. And um, so we decided, perhaps foolishly, uh, that we would try to beat all of Dragon Quest Swords before you had to leave to go to the airport the next day. Which gave us, I did the math, <laughs> and from the time we started to the time you had to leave, it gave us about twenty six hours. Yep. Uh, to to try to do all of this. And so really, well, we've been playing it for a little while, so it was really probably closer to 25 hours by the time we decided, hey, we're going to try to do it. So uh, so for today's episode, we're just going to walk everybody through our journey to beat Dragon Quest Swords in a single weekend. Um, it's a dramatic story. It's full of struggle. Uh, it's full of love, frustration, uh, and failure. <laughs> success And and redemption, possibly redemption. Uh, and well, injury. We and cannot injury. forget injury. <laughs> and injury. Uh, so uh, before we get into just uh, our storytelling and all that, just some thoughts, overall thoughts from the game. Um, I thought the story was kind of meh. I don't mm-hmm. know about you. Um, I thought the story was kind of vague most of the time. Uh, it felt like a pretty just kind of generic Thing. And I think maybe it's because the, so much of the focus on Dragon Quest Swords is about the gameplay. It's the fact that you can swing the Wii remote like a sword and play the game like that. So I think that's what the focus was on. So maybe um, maybe it doesn't even need a good story because that's not what the game is really about. Uh, did you feel that way? Yeah, I did. I felt like this one was... It's a dungeon crawler, like you and I talked about. Like, there's no exploration in this one. You have a central hub town, and you're going out into these different areas that are on rails dungeon crawlers, and then you get to choose which direction you go at different forks in the path. So when you're going in there, there's it's basically a, hey, this bad thing happened. You're going to this area to get to the next step to fix it. And so it... It's one of those where the story is there and it exists and there's a world and characters that they've built to move you along through these dungeons, but it's not a very good one. I didn't care about any single character. I didn't care about really what was going on. I liked the character models for the most for the most part, but generally it was like you said, the story isn't the focus. The focus on this one is from 2007 running around and controlling it uh, like it's a sword. And I think for me, the the controls that I hated the most was, and the reason that I hated the controls the most, was that you couldn't use the Wii nunchuck. That you had to use the 
directional pad, the actual cross pad on a single Wii remote to move around instead of being able to hold it with two hands and move around um, just to keep that that sense of fidelity there uh, with it. And I didn't I didn't like that, but I got used to it. Uh, if it hadn't been for you, I never would have played that much of it to get used to because I was like, mm-mm, not for me, and then turned it off. And uh, together, though, it was one of those that it was fun to power through, and the controls were a hurdle and not a wall. Gotcha. And and I, I assume now that we've played it, because at first I was the same way. I was like, man, I wish you had the nunchuck for this. But I think it's because... Um, you know, it'd be really hard to swing the Wii remote like a sword the way you need to, especially doing the master strokes, the special moves and stuff. Which you can you see have... videos of on Twitter of us looking <laughs> fool, of us doing master strokes on there. Uh, we live tweeted essentially most of our journey across this. So if you check out our uh, Twitter feed, uh, you'll be able to find that in the media and stuff like that. We'll eventually put it together in a moment to share with all the stuff. But but yeah, you, the master strokes require a lot of movement and dynamic movement at that. So it'd be hard with the nunchuck plugged in there. And um, also, I just think it's funny because that video. So what happened was my wife, Grace, was sitting on the couch. We thought just playing on her phone and kind of sort of watching us play our game. It turns out she was recording us in secret and texting BJ's wife, Jennifer, videos of us looking really stupid, swinging the Wii remote around like a sword. Um, So our wives were just making fun of us in secret. If we were teenagers, if we were 12 years old, that's the kind of video that... uh, Remember Star Wars Kid? I don't remember if you remember Star Uh Wars Kid. Yeah, yeah, I remember. These are Star Wars Kid videos. Like, if this had been at that point, we would be like internet celebrities because of how silly we are on this. Like, right now, it's like, oh yeah, look at these uh, middle-aged guys uh, swinging their swords on the internet. It's uh, We're just another one, but uh, but they were making fun of us really good. Uh, so, uh, and another thing, like kind of like you said about the characters, the characters were kind of just there for me. I thought uh, Florette made a pretty good companion because she gets good heal stuff. Uh, so she can really aid the hero. And you only get one companion. If you haven't played this game, uh, you get several companions to choose from, but you can only take one at a time into the dungeons with you. Yep. Um, and Florette is kind of like the healer. She can also make your shield really big. Would you have to manually move across the screen? And the reason that it makes it big with like Magna Shield is what it's called, is you have to point the Wii remote at the TV screen and the cursor becomes your shield where you block projectiles and uh, physical attacks as they're coming in. So the bigger the shield, the more area you have to actually block the attacks. It's not just pressing a block button or a dodge button to do that. So that kind of thing really, really, really helps. Yeah, and um, when we were playing, I know I made this joke already, but it needs to be said, Florette, uh, for those of you who have not seen her, uh, looks like Avril Lavigne, like I'm pretty sure it's 2007 and I'm positive, like almost a hundred percent positive Akira Toriyama saw like a music video of 2007 era Avril Lavigne and was like, I'm going to make her a support character in a video game. And he did. I mean, sounds about right. The skirt, the stockings, the whole look, everything. It's totally just Avril Lavigne from that era. It's very hot topic. It's like, it's like what every, Hot Topic ad looked like where uh, back then it's like I, w- I just graduated college and it's like that's exactly what people uh, dressed like 
at that particular time. Well, not everybody, obviously, but the, that <laughs> that uh, that era of uh, of like trendiness was yeah. was right there. It was crazy, but yeah, that's exactly what she looks like. Um, another character you get is Prince Anlace, uh, who's kind of like a whiny little prince. He says "Mama" really dumb. Mama, uh, Mama, Mama. Um, and so, not much to say about Prince Anlace, really. N- neither you nor I really played as him very much because we didn't like him. He he zapped things really good. Like he would kill. A- he had an AOE which you don't get as a as the main character, so that was really helpful occasionally. But he couldn't heal, so that was a hard pass. Oh, I thought he had heal. I thought he had Sizz and heal. Did he have a heal? Because I don't yeah. remember. Maybe he had a heal. Maybe he I was just- Sizz and Claymore zapped. Clay- Claymore was Zap, yeah. Okay. Uh, Onlace's AOE was Sizz. Uh, Claymore had Zap and Buff were the two spells he started off with. And Claymore is your dad in the game. Uh, who look? He looks like Balthier from Final Fantasy XII, but with a with an Anakin Skywalker mechanical arm. Yep. He got um, a sword hand cut off. Yeah, he doesn't look like a DQ character to me. Like Claymore looks cool. But like his face and everything else, he doesn't look like a Dragon Quest character. He doesn't look like a Toriyama character to me at all. He looks like one to me because of a discussion that we're having on Discord, like right now on the uh, geek to geek Discord, where somebody posted a picture of the the uh, fortune teller from DQ8, and he looks like uh, a a emaciated Mister Satan from Dragon Ball Z. And that's kind of how uh, Claymore looks to me as that kind of DQ character. Like, not one of the hero types that you see all the time, but one of those, like, really side characters that looks unique that's not one of the repeated NPCs. And that's kind of really what uh, what Claymore looks like to me. After seeing that picture of the fortune teller and thinking about Mr. Satan, that's where uh, Claymore falls in, in line with the art style for me. Uh, okay, gotcha. Um Another character I just want to mention really quick that you and I both enjoyed was Mini Magi. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I liked having that. I liked having the little monster uh, collect the mini medals instead of just having like a king or a queen or a princess or something like in most of the games. Um, I like the pirate captain from Nine, uh, but uh, Mini Magi was kind of was a cute little uh, character to have uh, to bring your mini medals to. And the best part about him being a monster, it's like the rest of these are kings and queens and they have a collection or a princess or, you know, a pirate captain who obviously wants his booty. And then you have this monster, this this mini moggy cat who's just like, I'm going to eat all your medals. And then he just eats them. It's like you bring him medals for rewards and he's just eating these mini medals. And I love it. Like watching him go <laughs> made me very, very happy. Like Because it's silly. And that's like you, you and I've said a dozen times, that's what we like about Dragon Quest. And even in the side games like this, or maybe especially in the side games like this, they experiment more with the silliness. And that's just one of the things in this one that's super silly just li- and, and really side silly. But it, it works out really, really well to give it personality. So Saturday, we got the game all set up. We started playing it, uh, you know, started with chapter one, obviously. It took me a while to get used to the, uh, the controls and moving around just because it's so different. It's first person. I don't know if we've said that already or not, but it's first person, which is really jarring for a Dragon Quest game for At me. At first. 
it yeah. took a long time to get used to that, but I eventually did get used to it because that that's kind of the dungeon crawler thing, mm-hmm. but it's uh, absolutely hard to get used to. It's really jarring. And at the beginning, you and I didn't really know that this was a dungeon crawler game. Like, no. or at least I didn't. I mean, we were just kind of playing it and we were like, this is weird. And then after we got to the the first area, you're walking out in a field and then you go to like a cave. I can't even remember what it's called. Um, but it, it's called like the way of worth or something like that. Cause you're pro- proving your worth. Right. Um, and, um, like the worthwhile walk of worth. Is that what it's called? It's called something absurd like that. It's absurd. Yeah. I don't really pay attention to a lot of the areas in this one, partly because we were kind of trying to speed run through it and not really worry about it, but also because I didn't care about the story. So it was just like, Oh yeah, we have to go through the, uh, the forest. I know I called the forest and everything wrong, the wrong name. Like I, I think I still think of it as Ganymede forest and I know it's not, that's not it. It was Galentine Glade because you made a Galentine's Day joke from Parks that, and Rec. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's uh, Galentine's Day Glade, and uh, you're like, no. Like, yeah. I opened my mouth and you told me no before I could even start. <laughs> Which was, I think chapter two is where you go to Galentine's Glade. Um, yeah, I think it is. But the first, the first one, you're like in a cave and you're like proving your worth. There's like the restless armor at the end. His name is Dirk Worthington. Um, and so, and after beating Dirk Worthington and getting to the end, that's kind of where you and I were like, oh, this is a dungeon crawler game because you, there's like forks in the path and we went the wrong way at first, or maybe the right way at first and got the treasure at the end of the path. And then it like resets you, um, back at the beginning of the fork and you have to go the other way. Which is fantastic. I will say that for this game, not making you go back along that trail that you started on, like you went in on is wonderful. It's like, oh, you finished this. It's a dead end. Let's put you back to where you make that choice. So you basically get to go through all of the paths if you don't go down the main path initially. Mm-hmm. And we were following a walkthrough this entire time. Let me say that because we had limited time, we found what might be the worst walkthrough that I've ever used on the internet on IGN's wiki. It hit the high points and then left out very important pieces of information well- that you needed. And we followed that to know which path to go down uh, and to get what treasure that we needed to be able to push forward. But not yet. We did not start the walkthrough yet. Because we, tr- weren't wor- we weren't worried about time at this point in our playthrough. Because, yeah, that's true. We hadn't really we fully ca- dedicated yeah. ourselves to this. Yeah, that came later. I, w- I want to say it was like chapter five or six. I think I put it in the notes when we started using the walkthrough because we were like, holy crap, we're going to run out of time. We need to stop like just messing around and go the correct ways. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, then we did, we did chapter two. I want to say just right after that, that's when you start getting uh, party characters. You get on lace who goes with you. Uh, and he really doesn't do much. Um, like I was surprised at how little the, um, the side characters really seem to do in this game, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when it comes to like attacking the enemies. Like it felt like he uses like, twice i want to say in the whole like uh area that we were in the galentine glade and Um, never when we needed it it was always like we got this handled and then it decided that's like i'm gonna blow these up for you and it's like thanks how about that when i was about to die my shield was broken dude (laughs) um yeah so uh then uh not long after that the end of chapter two is when you find on mama who is the uh, masked queen in the title. 
uh, it's kind of creepy at first. You're like at this cabin in the woods and there's like a creepy like masked lady that just like leaves the cabin and there's like creepy music playing. And then right after that, Florette uh, comes out and uh, you talk to her. She joins you back in town, that kind of stuff. I want to say around chapter three is when you and I um, first consulted a guide because we were just trying to figure out where to take our mini metals. So right. we, Googled, we Googled it to see where the mini metals were. And even then, it should have been a warning sign because it was like, it's a cave by the castle. And there's actually two caves, and we went into the wrong cave at first. That's, um, that's true. We should have actually realized that. I didn't even think about that, that they were just like cave by the castle, and we chose the wrong cave. There are three, actually. The mini metal cave, there's the grave cave, and then there's the one that leads to the dojo. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about the dojo one. Um, there's also weapon tamp- tempering. Uh, at the weapon shop, which you and I kind of took advantage of. Um, we, uh, what was it? The lightning sword is what we ended up getting because we yeah. had Thunderballs at the time. Uh, and then chapter three is also where we started having difficulty because of the uh, the rock bombs. Because <laughs> you and I are both really bad. So one of the, so some of the moves, <laughs> you, can do, you can do like a downward slash, you do like a cross slash, or then you do like a diagonal, you know, kind of slash. Or you can do a thrust, which you and I, neither one, we could could master the thrust very well. Um, and, and I think, I don't know if it's us. I feel like it's the Wii Remote just doesn't pick up on that movement the way I it think, should. I think it's the Wii Remote because this is before the Motion Plus Wii Remote came out that they were using with Skyward Sword. That this didn't have the more precise accelerometer and gyroscope in it. So this is using the regular Wii controls to try to get you to hold it solid, hold it flat, and then thrust it at the screen. And so it didn't have really uh, 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 granular control over, you know, like the Switch does now. And like even like Motion Plus does. So uh, this is original stuff. So yeah, thrusting it forward, like, like jabbing and stabbing piercing... We were both just downright bad at it. And you had, and anyway, so we eventually quit trying to thrust the rock bombs backwards. Um, to blow up the rest of the rock bombs up, and enemies. Yeah, and just started hacking away at it. And then after, the, I feel like after we went to that strategy, we got through those rock bombs pretty quickly and made it to the end of that area. Yeah, um, I think so. I don't remember any more trouble with that one. Yeah, but I think that was probably the first death for us was when I was... Because mostly on the first day, I was mostly the one playing. And and we were on Chapter 3 still on that first day. And um, I think that was the first time we actually died was because there was that area where the chimeras are are throwing fire at you and you're trying to return the fire. Oh, yeah. The rock bombs are all rolling down the hill and there's like some bubble slimes, I want to say, that attack you as well. And you tend to have to focus on bubble slimes and do downward slashes because they jump over your other side slashes. And so you also have to target the screen kind of like you do with the with the uh, shield. And you target the screen at where the projectiles are going. It tells you where they're going. And then you have to bat it back at some of the enemies like chimeras. And that is not the easiest thing to do with these uh, kind of questionable controls. And uh, most of our deaths in the game came from missing the missing the uh, batting it back. Like we were, if you had to stab or bat it back, we were just not great at it. And, and part of that too is they... The controls are wonky, but also they give you like three seconds. It's like right. it, you have to, 
They give you three seconds to move the remote to the exact spot, press the A button to lock onto that spot, and then you have to time your swing correctly to send it back. And then especially later in the game, there's even like times where the enemies will hurl like a whole bunch of them at you in a row. And it's just, I think you and I eventually just started blocking them instead of trying to return them back. Yeah, it's um, just easier at that yeah. point because it makes the fights last considerably longer, I guess. But it also means you don't have to restart that entire area if and when you mess up what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we got through Chapter 3. Around that time, my kids were starting to wake up from nap. Uh, so we put the, uh, you know, put it away for a little while, took a little break. Um, at this point, I, my arm wasn't sore yet. I'd been play, I'd played for about two and a half hours. But my arm wasn't too bad. Uh, my arm really started cramping up later that night because after my kids went to bed, you and I uh, booted up the game again. And uh, we had, we started off with chapter four, which, uh, teams you up with Claymore, your dad, and you have to choose him because we were already at this point, we're like, oh yeah, we're going to use Florette for future dungeons. But the game makes you try out your dad for the chapter four. Um, and uh, the part that sticks out most to me about ride, about chapter four is riding in that boat. Uh, yeah. You had a boat at the beginning and it just, it feels like it takes forever to just ride around in the boat. We also, I just remembered... We did not have our Thunder Sword yet because I, at this point, we weren't all that familiar with weapon weapon tempering, and I totally sold the uh, monster bones in my inventory, which were the materials that you needed to temper the sword. Because you don't buy new weapons in this, you have to craft them with materials that you get. So we sold the ones that we needed to get a more powerful sword. Yeah, you you can buy like the base swords, but then but if you really want to. Uh, if you really want a good weapon, you have to temper it. Yeah, like you can buy, I think the iron sword is the first one, right? Copper, I think. You buy copper and then you temper it into steel. Then you temper the steel into either ice, fire, or lightning. And then during the course of the game, you get uh, not the Aurora sword, but the uh, Renderak sword or something like that. It's called like I- the the Red Nudes Sogger or something. I think I have it typed up in our notes somewhere. But you get that, and it transforms in tempers into like the uh, the sword of heroes and the aurora blade, and then um, but all of the lightning, fire, and ice ones can then get more powerful uh, than those with even more tempering. Like you can get like mega lightning or whatever they're called. It's not mega lightning. Yeah. So we had, I think we had a steel sword at this point, which you can once you temper it. I don't know if it's because we tempered it or because you reached a certain part of the game, but you can buy a steel sword later in the game. It shows up at the weapon shop at least. Oh, yeah, Um, so that you can have the fire, ice, and lightning swords. Yeah, so I'm not sure if it's because we got to a certain story point or if it's because we had already tempered a steel sword that it, like, unlocked it or how that works. But either way, we didn't have a lightning sword yet, and there's a lot of water enemies uh, when you're on the boat uh, with Claymore. And so I felt like it just took us a little bit longer to get through that because... Uh, we didn't have the best weapons, and we were a little short on cash, and we weren't taking the time to necessarily grind levels yet because we were trying to like speed run the whole thing. Um, and then uh, overall, I thought chapter four it was that it had a cave. It was pretty boring, and right around in here, I think 
toward the end of this cave. We, I just wanted to get it over with. So that's when I asked you, I was like, hey, can you just look up a walkthrough and tell me the correct paths to take on these forks? Because yeah. I'm so sick of this. And there's like, that's when the chests start being like cannon boxes and things. And the walkthrough that we saw, like the cannon boxes are super annoying, y'all. It, it's not even that they're hard. They're just annoying because as you're going through, you get a choice of, of one or two chests. Like there are two chests in front of you and you don't usually have to pick, but you're going to want to pick. And the, the walkthrough that we're using on IGN here tells you that these are random, that you just have to pick one and it might be a cannon box or it might not. It changes every time you load in, which is a lie. Which we don't think is true because we tested this out many a time. And we got the item in the same box every time. And it uh, that whoever wrote that walkthrough, and I know it's a wiki, and I could go back and change it, but I'm probably not going to. You'd rather just dump on it on the podcast. I would. And like, I feel that that tells me more about the state of the internet than, than anything else. It's like, I could fix it, but I'm not gonna. And, uh, you know, now that I say that out loud, maybe I will. Um, but they are fixed. And it means that uh, you don't have to fight those cannon boxes. But thanks to the IGM walkthrough, we just skipped them completely. And we we don't know, like, unequivocally that they're fixed, but... In our experience, it was always the same one. Like once we picked, like the one on the right would be a mini medal. So we, when we would replay that level, we'd always go for the one on the right, and it would still be a mini medal because you can repeat mini medals in this game. And so, and same thing for like medicinal herbs and things like that. So with our experience, yeah, it was a one hundred percent fix when we tried it like that. So like we may be you know statistical outliers, but in our experience. Every single chest like that. Yeah, and so um, so for me, I think this is the part of the game where I started kind of getting tired. Uh, you know, I, I, at this point, I think we'd probably reach the like three and a half hour mark, but we wanted to get through as much as possible, so we kept on playing, um, and we got uh, to chapter five, which is where you have to climb the Tower of Mirrors, which... Which is the title of the game. I mean, it's talking about the Tower of Mirrors. So you're finally hitting the main part of the story. This is the real meat of the game. And so where you get into like more than cave dungeons, you're not fighting mermen in the river on a raft kind of thing. You're finally getting into like the, the dungeon-y dungeons to, for the dungeon crawl. And we died a lot. We died so much. So I think we died three times. I think um, the first time... I think uh, I was still playing at this point. Um, we got to the the golem, and it's a black golem. The, there are there are obviously different kind of golems in in Dragon Quest games, and this one is a black golem. And and he punches you. He does punches, but it doesn't give you the symbol on the screen to show you where he's going to punch. So you kind of just have to look for his arms, and uh, and like hope for the best. And so and we weren't sure how to attack him. Because anytime we tried to swipe at him, it'd cause, like, one damage or whatever. If that, like, when he blocked, it would do one damage, and then if he blocked, it did none. And so, thankfully, I had a Master Stroke built up, so I used a Master Stroke and killed him, and you and I were both like, hooray, we got through it! And then, before you even get out of the fight, another golem appears with two bubble slimes, who throw slime at you and poison you, and... Um, that's where I died. I died the first time there. Um, the second time 
uh, I, I handed it off to you because at this point my arm is like dying and I'm frustrated. So I finally handed it off to you. And I think at that point we Googled it when you got back to the golem yep. to see where, um, like how we were supposed to do it. And we figured out if you can manage to block like all of his attacks in a row, he's got five in a row that then you can do like slashes and beat him up really quickly. Which is really weird because it's one of the first times in the game where they don't give you any indicator of where to block. And this golem attacks every single corner of the screen and then the middle, but it's not in the same pattern every time. So he might just, he, he feels like he attacks them at random. And we tried this with all of the other golems that you fight as well. And it never felt like we got a pattern down. You just have to watch and see and, and really react very quickly in a game that doesn't have uh, very good reaction controls. So we finally got through this, though. We managed to get through it, um, and then we got to the boss. Like, we, we managed to climb this tower. We, we died uh, a few times, like, like we said, got through it. Um, but it helped us level up. At least there was that. We followed what the strategy guides were saying, like, in terms of the the paths to take that we didn't really take any extraneous ones that we, with items that we didn't need or would, wouldn't use. And we got to the boss and I think I handed it over to you at that point because you were at, especially at that time, you were the one with most of the fighting experience. Yeah, I think uh, it was, you actually handed it over uh, before that because uh, you were playing it and it came to one of those where you had to block a bunch and Florette died. Oh yeah. And I let, I forgot. Yeah, and you were like, oh my gosh, I let Florette die. I'm going to hand this off to you because I'm going to die or something like that. So I, and I managed to block the next one and, and beat it. And then right after that is when you get to the boss. And the boss is, what's his name? It's the German thing. You said it means big knife. Grossmesser? Yeah, and he talks really funny. I really like that, even though he, I like that boss. He has one of the best puns, though. I love it. His name is Grossmesser, and it means big knife in German. And he comes out with a pitchfork. He's like, you may be wondering why I have a big a big fork when it should be a big knife. And it's just because! And I loved it. Like, he talked like a cartoon character, and it was ridiculous. And it was one of the best puns in the entire game. I loved it and, so much. And I, and I don't know German, so I didn't get that joke. And you had to explain it to me, which I think is really funny that they put that in this game. Because it's like, how many people really... Really get that joke you know <laughs> <laughs> like um but anyway so we get to this guy there's a lot of blocking in this fight there's a lot of like uh what are they called the mini demons uh, imps. Uh, that, that uh show up imps yeah that are attacking you and um so uh anyway i died uh i died here it was the second death in the tower of mirrors that we'd had uh it was getting kind of late um, and you know, we had been all been awake for a very long time. Uh, so, uh, so we decided to call it a night, uh, with, uh, with that death and, uh, then play it again, uh, the next day. Uh, so, uh, so since we got to our nighttime, we got to the pause in our playthrough. I think now is probably the perfect time for, uh, the segment we like to call shameless self-promotion. Beep, 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 shameless. I like that one, actually. <laughs> Yay, there's one you liked. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one. Why don't you tell everybody about our uh, Patreon? So I mentioned it earlier in the show. We have a Patreon that we're, uh, we're using. So if you'd like to become a member of our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash dragonquestfm, and you can... Uh, 
pledge and become a a patron where you can get a sticker uh you can get a discord role on our uh media networks discord server and talk to dragon quest uh with us and we're also looking at different tiers uh, of rewards trying to really expand this for exclusive content uh that kind of thing so if you have any ideas about that let us know and we're working on rewards for people who are uh consecutive members uh for consecutive months so uh keep an eye out on that and uh go to patreon.com slash dragon quest fm yeah and one of our patrons because we asked them what they would like at like six months and 12 months um and i don't know if you saw where uh, mike said he wanted uh, an extra hug from you so uh so maybe we should use some of this patreon money to send you to new hampshire so that you can hunt down Mike and give him two hugs. <laughs> I think that's the way to do it. I will, and, and it's not ask him for his address. It's hunt him down. Like it, is, it is like a quest. It is a fetch quest for hugs. Uh, so, so from now until it happens, Mike, just glance over your shoulder every once in a while. You're just going to see BJ in the crowd it's slowly true. sneaking up on you for a sneak attack hug. Wearing, um, wearing uh, mirrored sunglasses and a baseball cap <laughs> and a fake mustache. Can't not you can't do it without a fake mustache. So you're like the Unabomber. I am. That's a, that's apparently what I'm going for here. Uh, the uh, the other thing we want to talk about really quickly. We don't like to do this every episode, but we do like to mention it on occasion. Is if you like our show, please review our podcast. Uh, it lets other people know if they should listen to our podcast or not. Uh, so if you enjoy Dragon Quest FM, uh, please just take. Uh, a moment to just leave a review or even just leave, you know, a star review if you don't feel like typing something up uh, because it really helps us out. And I learned at Podcast Movement this week, this past week, that uh, there are a lot of mis- misconceptions about how one ranks in uh, Apple Podcasts, which is the number one podcast place, uh, whether you use it or not. And the number one way to do it, I learned from Libsyn, uh, it was Rob Walsh at Libsyn, said that the number one ranking factor to get you to show up is that the number of unique subscriptions, new subscriptions within seven days on Apple Podcasts. So even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, if you listen on Stitcher or Spotify or Pandora or wherever it is that you listen to us, we would love to ask if you would also take the time to open up Apple Podcasts on your on your phone and click subscribe because that is the number one metric to doing that. And also just telling your friends. So if you got a friend who you think would enjoy our show, Tell them too. That would be fantastic. I want to be their friend and give them a hug. So let's jump right back in uh, to our playthrough of Dragon Quest Swords. Uh, n- the next day, uh, I woke up. Usually I don't wake up before my kids do. Usually uh, one of my twins, Rowan, uh, she usually wakes my wife and uh, me up pretty early in the mornings. Uh, she's The other two girls are sleepers, but Rowan's not. So, uh, But this morning... Uh, I woke up super early, went downstairs, tried to be sneaky and play it on the couch because you were asleep on a mattress in our living room floor. Right. Um, and tried to be sneaky to start playing it because I wanted to try to get through the Tower of Mirrors again. Woke you up. You got on up. Um, and we started playing it before anybody in the house was awake. Before it really, I mean, it was like sunrise. I mean, it was very early the next day. We uh, started playing again. Uh we went through the Tower of Mirrors again. It was a lot easier because we knew what to expect that time. And we'd also gained like five levels from the night before when we were trying to attempt to get to the top of the tower. 
And levels aren't terribly important in this. Like, levels don't matter a great deal, but they matter enough. They, uh, you know, five levels isn't like it is in most Dragon Quest games where you become, like, gain new abilities and things become significantly easier. It's just a little bit better. It's like a quality of life thing more than anything else. So, uh, so anyway, so we were able to take down, what's his name again? Grossmesa? Grossmesa? Yeah. Yeah, big knife. I'm just going to call big it knife. giant knife. Giant knife. And he's an archdemon. Like, we didn't mention this before. Like, he's an archdemon. So y'all know what pitchfork he's talking about, why he has a big fort. I mentioned he was an archdemon. You're just a brick wall. <laughs> I am. I am a brick wall. You guys see, this is what happens. So then uh, we got to chapter six. We jumped straight into chapter six. Uh, I, my arm was super dead already. I'd played four to, basically four and a half hours straight the day before of this game. So my arm was very tired. Like, maybe I'm just a baby. I don't know. After the fact, I saw lots of reviews on Amazon, people complaining about how it makes your arm sore. And it really does. Like, I felt like a pitcher who had pitched, like, all nine innings of a baseball game. Like, I I, I just, I, I made jokes about having to, like, ice my arm and all that kind of stuff. But really, I mean, I was, like, popping Tylenol and stuff like that. I put an icy hot patch on my shoulder. I mean, I was really, I was really hurting after playing this for like four and a half hours. So, um, so after beating Gross Mesa, I handed it off to you, and you started playing through uh, the next three chapters. Uh, so you started off playing chapter six, and during this time, all of my kids started waking up, which. Uh, kind of turned it into Dragon Quest Swords hard mode. <laughs> it did, and it was it was it was fun because they they were really interested in it, especially especially Naomi. Like she wanted to play, and that was uh, I, I felt bad because it usually you know we hand the game to her. It's like yeah, you can play for a little bit, do this, and this one we were both honed in, and it's like no, the big boys are going to play this, and we didn't have time. It was like it was like by this time it was like eight a.m. 8 30 a.m. you were gonna have to leave like in just like four hours four or five hours and so we were really trying to rush through it and Naomi kept uh because she was wanting to play she also kept getting in the way and she's three so she's just the height where her head would get in the way of the Wii sensor it stopped recognizing it like when we would swing or fight or anything it just stopped in the middle of a fight and we would take like way extra damage and we're just like, ah, no! It's like, well, you don't want to yell at a kid. like it, it, But it's, like, frustrating. It's like, oh, no! Yeah, and there, you'd be, we'd be, like, really into it, and then all of a sudden the sweet little face just appears and is like, can I play BJ? And then you, you die. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's pretty much it. And the twins were actually pulling at my pants. Like, I'd put my phone in my pocket so they could recognize the shape of it in the exercise pants I was wearing. So they would come <laughs> up and grab it and just start, like, trying to pants me while I'm swinging at some sort of slime. And it's like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. And Grace is over there taking videos. And it's like, oh, this is not going on the Internet. Yeah, and they're almost two, so they're like just at the height where they can reach in and like grab, like get into your pockets. And I think at this point, because Grace had worked like the like late the night before and then early the next morning, so on Sunday I was letting her sleep in. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if she was awake yet and downstairs because I was trying to let her sleep in. Oh no, you're right. She wasn't awake at this point because like she slept way through the kids that day. Yeah. So, um, so you were playing this i was trying to play with the kids but also like watch the game 
and it was just a chaotic mess. At one point, I remember getting on my hands and knees and crawling in front <laughs> of the TV did. so I didn't mess you up because I had to get a, the sippy cup <laughs> from uh, from out from under the TV to give to one of the girls because they like ro- it rolled under the the uh, the TV stand or whatever. And um, so, but finally. Uh, even with all the kids going kind of crazy and all the craziness, you made it through chapter six without too many problems. And you got to the boss, uh, Draug was his name, the giant stone statue guy. Um, and you made it look easy. The fight looked easy for the most part, except at the end, he starts hurling those like blue uh, like balls of energy at you that you were having to return back. Um, and we almost died there. Yeah. Yeah, it was really close to the end where I was just missing them. I don't know if it was being distracted from the kids, if I was just straight up bad at doing that, but it almost meant that we had to go through the Tower of Mirrors again. Or at least what it was this, or maybe this was the um, the one where you, uh, like the portal that pushes you through. It was, yeah, it's called the Mirror World. Yeah, you were. it's where you just float through it, which is a really nice place to level up. And we'll get to that in a sec, too, where we spent a lot of time in the Mirror World because it self, it's self-propelling, so it just moves you forward the whole time, and you basically just swipe across the screen. There's lots of metal slimes and liquid metal slimes that uh, show up in that area. So if you, need, if you play this and you need to level up, wait until Chapter 7 because there are set metal slimes in here that they show up at the same place every time. And um, the way that metal slimes usually work in this one is that they run very quickly across the screen where you just have to kind of catch them. And this one, since you're being self-propelled, you can pretty much just swing and kill everything. Um, the hardest one to get is the uh, liquid metal slime because of the way that it flies at you. I missed it a few times. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which we, and we didn't go back there yet to start trying to grind up levels because we were trying to just see how far we could get with just, you know, running through it. So um, I think we ended up setting it down though because of the girls being awake mm-hmm. and uh, for just a little while. No, this is what happened. We went to, we played through chapter seven because um, you get a new sword after chapter six. After you beat Draug, you get the Red Nasader or whatever yeah. it's called. I don't know how you say it. Looks like Erdrick sword. And then you get a, uh, you go to the dojo and you learn a new master stroke. Um, and then you have to go back through Galantine Glade and uh, then you unlock the Red Sea. And so uh, we died a few times there because of there's the, the Hackasaurus uh, that. There's a Hackasaurus that spawns with cure slimes and that just killed us, I think, like twice there. And it's pretty late. It's pretty, it's like almost at the very end of the Red Sea. And so finally we decided we would go back and to the mirror world and try grinding up some levels. So you and I took turns so we didn't get too tired or too sore. We alternated trips through here to kill metal slimes, basically. It would take about three to five minutes each. And so the other one would go get a drink, you know, stretch like we're on deck playing baseball. It's like, oh, yeah, next time. It's like, I'm going to knock this out of the park. We always left the level, though, right before the boss fight so that we didn't have to repeat the boss. So you you could return to town without penalty. So we'd go and save it. And it was also a good way to save up money so that we could temper 
uh, our sword and get a get the Aurora blade that BJ mentioned. Yep, we were getting about twelve hundred gold a time, and so I think we started with about two thousand gold, maybe uh, fifteen hundred ish. So we did this about nine or ten times to get through there uh, and save up the gold because we needed ten thousand. Yeah, and we um, we went up probably about ten levels. Um, I know you stayed down and grinded up some levels because at this time it got to be nap time again, and so I was helping. Uh, my wife put the girls all down at nap. Um, we paused for a minute so you could say goodbye to the girls because you were going to have to leave before uh, they all woke up. Yeah. And so we sat it down for a minute. But we did go up about 10 levels, and we got about 10,000 or so gold uh, from grinding up everything. And then, so we tempered our blade. We were able to afford some really good armor that that uh, brought our fire damage thirty down to 30%. And it added, um, I think, 30 physical defense as well. So yeah, like we more. went from like 40-something to like 72, I think. Yeah, I thought I thought it was like 30-something to 70-something, but yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe it, was, it was. Maybe it was even bigger. Like, I just remember moving that far up. Like, it was a massive, like, 50%, like, well, not even 50, 100% increase there. Yeah, and so we went back to Chapter 7, back to the Red Sea, and we just kicked butt. We took names. It, we, like, flew through that level so fast after, like, grinding up. I mean, we went from, like, level 27 to, like, 38-ish, right? I know that we were 39 when we got to the last chapter, and I can't remember if we gained that in the uh, Sea of Mirrors or whatever it's called, or the Red Sea place. Yeah, but either way, Florette, she also learned, like, multi-heal and full heal during this time, uh, which was majorly helpful. So nice. Yeah, and so so Chapter 7, we, like, sped through it after doing the Mirror World. If you've never played this game before and you get to this part, I mean, I highly recommend it. I mean, we got up all these levels, and all said and done with us taking turns, I still don't think it took us a whole hour to do all of that. I mean, it was it was a really quick, like, you know, five-minute thing. I think we did it probably, like, five or six times total. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a pretty quick pain and painless process. Yeah, it um, didn't it didn't have... It wasn't that hard to do at all. And then, so we enjoyed that uh, easiness because then... <laughs> then we came, came the final area. The chapter 8, uh, final dungeon, all of that good stuff. Uh, you're going into, it's called the Deathbringer Citadel. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's it's what, what it's Zyphos called. is because they call him the Deathbringer. Um, and so at this point, we're running out of time. So uh, we were at level 39. We were using the walkthrough to skip unnecessary paths. You were playing. Um, you had to be at the airport, or you had to leave to go to the airport, I think, around like within an hour right yeah that that. was around noonish like i want to say that uh we started that one at right around noon and uh, i had to leave your house really no later than 1 p.m to be able to make a 525 flight because it was a two and a half hour drive i needed to leave a little bit of a wiggle room there and uh because the i was flying on silver airways a smaller airline and they board 30 minutes ahead of time because you have to go out onto the tarmac and things like that. So you have to get there uh, enough early enough to do it. So I had to leave no later than like one o'clock to be able to, you know, say bye, give y'all hugs, that kind of thing. And, you know, get out of town. Yeah. And because, and you were in the conference, so you were flying out from Orlando instead of the West Palm airport, yep. which is near my house. So, so we were really rushed at this point. Um, 
we you I didn't notice you having any trouble until there's that nightmare fight with the gigantus yeah. the head the head statue man that one was just I couldn't do it like I just couldn't it was it was I knew what to do I was trying to do it and it just did not happen you have to reflect stuff back and the only way you can do damage to him with this gigantic statue is by reflecting his projectiles back into his eye and it did not work for me like it worked but I couldn't do it and it doesn't cause much damage like when you were doing it it was like I think you reflected back four or five and it was like he wasn't even at half health yet Mm -mm. and it was just like and we were, and you and I are both so bad at it. It's like we're missing a lot. But thankfully, you had a master stroke built up. Thank goodness. And I didn't want to use it yet because I knew that I was going to be going in and fighting the boss soon, like the actual boss, uh, Xyphos. And I didn't want to use it, but I had to. There was no way that I couldn't use it on this. And so you used it, killed it, got through that part, and we we're like, yay! Then this is where we both got really mad with this guide. Is the guide, it's like after the fight, there's a gigantus, and then there's a couple more enemies, and you make it to Xyphos' throne room. So we were like, okay, nothing too bad. Well, the gigantus shows up, and which isn't a fun fight either, really. No, no, it's not fun at all. I hated it. Did I give and it you to got, you during this point? N- no, you, you got through it, and then we were like, yay, and... Uh, we were like, well, that's over. And now we just have to kill a few side enemies and we get to the boss because that's what the guide says. Yep. Instead, there's like another gigantus that comes at you with with other enemies as well. <coughs> there's um, and then there's another gigantus with some enemies and then there's another fight. There's like like I don't know what that person's definition of a couple fights is. Um, but there's definitely more than one Gigantus. It's definitely more than a couple fights. You and I were both like, oh my gosh, is this never going to end? Uh, like, we're not even going to get to Xyphos before you have to leave. But and the answer to is it ever going to end is no. It just keeps going. <laughs> but we eventually did make it to Xyphos' throne room. Um, and you got through his first form pretty quickly because his first form's not too bad. And Xyphos... Xyphos is just Dalmagus from Dragon Quest VIII. It's Dalmagus, but with, like, horns. Like, that's exactly what he looks like. He is a really cool boss. Like, he looks really, really neat. He's, like, dual Magus with with horns. He has these really cool wings, and he's like, I'm evil, And, like, he's he's a cool boss. I don't care if he's, like, mega evil or not, because I don't care about the story, but it's like, that's a cool model. I get to fight that. That's great. Yeah, and so, so then... We got to the second form, and so consulted our little walkthrough, even though you and I, neither one really trusted it at this point. No, but we um, had no choice. It was and, it was like Stockholm Syndrome. It's like we know we hate it, but it's like, <laughs> it's all we got right now. And so, that that's a good, um, it's a good analogy. It, IGN gave us Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> um, but uh, we got there, and... It was a, it's a pretty tough fight. Um, Florette died, which was a major problem. She had um, died on one of the Gigantus she, fights. Yeah, so we were doing all of this alone, and we didn't have many healing uh, items left anymore. Uh, so it was kind of like a, um, a tough thing. But amazingly, we got really close. Um, we got... We pushed him into... So he's in a second form, and there's a couple of different phases he goes through. And we got him almost to his final phase, 
it's when he uses the master stroke a second time. And we thought... And he uh, uses them. Like, yeah, he uses make them. sure that we clarify here, it, he is not me. Like, he is the boss. He gets the super moves as yeah. well. Yeah, and so Xyphos had used it once before. You have to attack the screen really, really fast, which is, I'm pretty sure, the video of you on Twitter. I think that's what you were doing. I think so, and I think that I think that's what you're doing, too. It, you might be doing the... Uh, I'm the, doing the figure eight. The figure the eight, yeah, but I think eight, I'm yeah. attacking to, to lower the damage. And so it, it causes, if you uh, about... You can usually get... If you try really hard, you can get to about 50 to 60 right. um, on that bar, which means he only causes around 200, 250 damage to your character. So we did, but it, the game gives you almost no warning that he's about to do the master stroke. So you, um, you were at like 230-ish, something like that. I was at 219 health. 219 health. You remember it, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. And, and you were like, I think I'm going to use an herb, but you only had one left. It was an Yggdrasil do. I, I could have full healed, and I was waiting to take one more hit to go down into the 100s and uh, not waste the only healing item that I still had. Yeah, and so I said something along the lines of, no, dude, just wait. Wait till you're a little lower. Don't waste it yet. It's the only one we got. And then, of course, as soon as I say that, Xyphos uses his Master Stroke and kills us. And he kills us. With, what did you say? It was 4 HP? 4 damage. He did 223 damage. And he killed us by 4 damage, and we didn't have an Yggdrasil leaf because I chose the wrong box on the way, and I fought a Canna box, and the other one disappeared. And so, at this point, you and I literally fall on our hands and knees. (laughs) And the girls are asleep upstairs, so we can't be loud. There's this mattress in front of us, and then simultaneously, we just collapse onto our knees, like, no! And just, I just remember sighing heavily. I'm sighing, like, I don't know. I just, I sigh heavily, and I remember Grace, who's sitting on the couch, is just, eye-rolling and and shaking her head at us because we're being so absurd. <laughs> we are. We are being very dramatic that I lost but, by four hit points. And so then at that point, though, we had no more time to really, uh, to really play again. This you was think, at, I think, 12.53. 12.53. Looking yeah. at my watch, I'm like, I can do this again. So, thankfully, it lets you, if you die, you can just go back to Xyphos' throne room so you don't have to repeat the whole, like, dungeon again, which is super nice. It's like the like, best thing this game does. Yeah. And so, uh, but that day, at least, uh, we ended the day, I guess, in defeat. You and I were taking, both took some Tylenol and we're laughing about how sore our arms were. Um, and then you left, you got to the airport, with three minutes to spare. Is that yes. right? Three minutes until you were boarded. Yes. So, like, looked at the clock at twelve at 12.53, and I'm like, I can do this again. And then we made the, the adult decision here of, no, you should probably get your things together and leave so that you don't miss your plane. 
So I go and I leave, and it turns out that that's a very good thing because there was a couple of accidents on the Florida Turnpike going north, and so I was stuck in traffic for about half an hour overall, and I hadn't eaten lunch, so I had to stop and get gas, and so I had to get like a donut and uh, and uh, like some eggs from Dunkin' and some caffeine, and uh, after I found out that my wife and her friend had left uh, the donuts that they had bought me on the counter and ate them instead of me so I was like I'm gonna get a donut regardless and so I did that and like I make it through there like and I had to stretch anyway after sitting through all that and get gas like I said so I go and I make it to the airport and it's Orlando Florida so and on a Sunday afternoon and it uh it is uh, I have to check a bag and go through security so I'm going here, and it's like everyone leaving Disney at the same time as well. So they're all flying out. There's a 17 to 21 minute wait, is what it says at security. I have to find the small airline that I'm at to to check this bag, which is all the way at the other end of where I come in at from uh, dropping off the rental car. And I make it through everything. Find my gate three minutes before they start boarding, and so I just get there. And I text you, and I'm like. Man, three minutes. Good good grief. It was like I made the... I was so stressed out. Like, I was so stressed out. Like, I'd been... I was stressed out and sitting in the car. I got stopped in security. I didn't tell you because of sweat on my back from sitting in a hot car that um, that I had, like, the back, of your, uh, the back of your shirt gets damp when you're just sitting in a car for a long time. And uh, they they uh, they stopped me in security because the uh, microwave thing, uh, mill- mill- millimeter wave or whatever they call it, it's not microwave. <laughs> um, noticed that, so I had to get padded down too. So long story short, you almost missed your flight. You got padded down in airline security because we were playing a video game. <laughs> yes, yes, that is that is that is what happened. Um, so uh, I I also saw I thought it was funny because. Like you said earlier, we were like basically live tweeting all this stuff. Is uh, Daniel Zilla on Twitter when we told him that we had gotten to like we're like four HP from beating it? He sent us a gif of, from like Jumanji of the Rock, which, where he's like, "Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry," <laughs> which is like the perfect gif because that's was. really how it felt. It was. Like, it just, was like no, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Um, but anyway, so uh, so our kind of twenty four hour playthrough of Dragon Quest Swords ended on a bit of a sad note uh, because, you know, we died. We didn't get to beat it together. Uh, BJ had to go back home. Um, and so... Uh, but the story does not end there. There is a brief little epilogue uh, that we want to uh, get into now. So BJ left. He left the game at my house, and he was like, you have to beat it now. I was like, no, I don't want to. My arm hurts. Um... I don't know if I have it in me. That boss fight was terrible, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so uh, Sunday night, all of Monday, really my arm was sore. didn't feel like it. Uh, so then Tuesday, finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to beat this game before we record the podcast this week because I would like to end the podcast on a happy note. So now we're level 41, by the way. I don't know if I told you that. BJ. I don't think you did, no. Yeah. So, so uh, we were level 41. I restocked all of the, the like medicinal items. Uh, you know, got Florette back in my party. We still had a magic water left over in case she ran out of MP. So all of that was good. Um, 
we still were one mini metal away from being able to buy an Yggdrasil leaf. Uh, so I, I went in still without an Yggdrasil leaf. And I uh, waited for the kids to go down to nap on Tuesday. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this out. So thankfully, with the, the throne room, puts you right back with the first form of Xiphos, which is super helpful. And I was like, you know, if we made it that far on, on Sunday, surely I can get through here. Well, what I didn't expect was that apparently my arm was not fully healed. And doing that figure eight move, like, I seriously thought I was going to throw my arm out of its socket. Like, it really, really, really hurts. Like, I know people listening are probably like, suck it up, Austin. Stop being a baby. But seriously, it hurt. And um, so uh, I, I checked out the weapon tempering stuff before I went into that fight. And we didn't have anything. Um, I did learn that you can upgrade the Aurora Blade to get the Sword of Kings, which is cool. You can get the Zenithian Sword, or you can get the uh, Dragovian Sword from 8. So you can get, like, the ultimate swords from the different Dragon Quest games. But they're really expensive. And I'm pretty sure I didn't recognize any some of the tempering items, and I think it's probably post-game items that you need to be able to actually get that stuff. I think um, so, because there are super bosses in the World of Mirrors or something like that where you have to have a certain amount of renown that you earn for beating uh, the different levels with higher ranks and doing better. And so I, so I went in there. Uh, the first fight between having Florette in my party... Also, at some point, I didn't even know it. She learned a new move, where I don't even—I didn't even pay attention to what it was. Uh, it may be like Puff Puff or something. I don't know, but it—it it causes little hearts to appear around Xiphos, and it causes about thirty-six damage. Nice. I didn't realize yeah. that it did damage too. I knew that it kind of charmed the uh, the other enemies when we had multiples on screen. I didn't notice that it did damage to them as well. Yeah, I didn't notice it at all until that fight, and so that was really helpful. The first form, you know. He got taken down really quickly, didn't have to use any healing items. Florette didn't have to use much MP. Um, I mean, it was like very easy. I was like, all right, Austin, you got this. Uh, but then the second fight happened, and I did not I did not fight him yet because you did all the fighting on Sunday. And so the first part of the fight went over pretty well. I had a master stroke ready, used that. Um, I was, you know, I'm pretty good with blocking, but I'm not good at returning the stuff. Um, and then, um, and then I did the second master stroke, all of that kind of stuff. I got past the part that you and I got past. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I've made it past two of Xiphos's master strokes. I was like, I think I've got this now. I, I used another one of my master strokes, which I was hoping would kill him. It didn't. And yet there's actually like another phase that you and I did not get to that, I, that totally caught me off guard where his eyes start glowing orange. He starts getting like electricity all around him. He does like uh, the move with the laser eyes more often. It causes okay. like one, 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 one damage. And, it goes and you all have to trace it around the screen with your shield and uh, make sure like you take a lot of damage from it, but you can also block a lot of damage from it. Mm -hmm. He, he, like, charges at you with these, like, back-to-back -back moves. Uh, the part that got me was he's throwing, he throws the, like, energy orbs at you, and they're, like, massive. And Florette, you know, would make my shield bigger, but the shields kept breaking. And I only had, I had, like, three replenish shields with me um, to use on it. 
and I used them all up within this fight. Like, he was just completely, like, destroying my shields. And, um, anyway, so he does that, uh, you know, just kept hacking away at him, uh, used another master stroke, uh, Florette died, um, I started really eating through my, um, my medicinal items at that point. I even had to use the Yggdrasil dew, but it's like the fat, the last fight, right? I didn't care about items. I was like, if I die again, I'll just reboot the save so I don't lose all these items. Like I was determined here. Right. Of um, course. You finally, finally though, I managed to take him down. Um, yes. it was a hundred percent not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, <laughs> Like, I totally 100% did it just for you, and so we could talk about it on the show. If it was just me playing the game, I don't think I would have ever gone back. Like, it, my arm was already sore, and it just, like, it it made it hurt so bad. It's not a fun fight. Um, the ending, like, you know, the rest of the story is pretty just, like, generic and vague. Um, you, so there's going to be some spoilers right here. So if... Uh, if you don't want the ending spoiled for you, you know, you might want to skip ahead or, or end it right here. But I'm just going to spend like two minutes talking about spoilers for just a minute. Because I know a lot of people listening have played this game already. Um, the dumb hero drops the mask into lava when you're escaping from the citadel. Um, and um, like, I assume that it's uh because i was trying to take video for you and i'm just skipping through stuff so you know i yeah i wasn't paying just complete attention to this also my phone was dying i was trying to take video for you and my phone was dying um so i was trying to get it on charger so i could take video to send to you and all this stuff but um like i assume it doesn't matter now because you killed xyphos for realsies and so the mask doesn't have to keep him like contained anymore or whatever, because that's the whole reason Xyphos comes into the world, is because you slash that mask into, uh, like, chapter 5 or whatever chapter it was. Yeah, whenever so, you're, like, rescuing the queen or something or other, it it's like, oh, no, you've released this ancient evil that was contained in this mask that was possessing the queen. And then it's like, uh-oh, lava. Yeah, so I uh, so I assume it didn't matter. But, yeah, the, the hero is just like, whoopsie-daisy, and, like, the mask falls in lava. Uh, and then, um, you know, like a lot of Dragon Quest games, there's a little, uh, like, you know, ending. You're at a banquet. You can talk to your party members. Uh, Florette's brother gets turned back into a human, um, which I don't even know if we mentioned that boss uh, earlier. Where he was. I like, don't think giant, so. We didn't. The giant at the end of the cave we guy. hated, there yeah. was a fishman boss, and it turns out that he was a transformed uh, brother of Florette. Yeah, whose name I can't even remember right nope. now. But no idea. Um, anyway, so he's back into a human. Uh, you talk to everybody. You go outside. You like raise your sword up. You're this big hero now. Blah blah blah. Credits roll. Um, there's like a little scene. It goes back to the title and all that. And you can save it and do post game stuff. And which I'm I'm not going to do post game stuff. Um, this game was super fun because you and I were playing it together. Yes. This is you not a play- game I would have really enjoyed being alone that I would have gotten frustrated and just turned it off. Yeah, same same for me. It was fun because we were playing it together and we had like an objective. Like we we're trying to beat it all within like a 24-hour period. So 
Uh, so because we were together and because we had like a goal, it made it more fun. And I think Dragon Quest Swords, and I feel this way about a lot of Wii games really, is it's one of those games that I don't think I would ever play by myself, but it's a really fun group game. Like I think handing it off like you and I did was a lot of fun. And um, which, you know, I mean, a lot of Wii games, I think, are like that. You know, the emphasis is on like having fun with other Mm -hmm. people while you're playing it. And so um, I thought it was good. I thought it was it's basically the sword fighting from the uh, the Wii sports, the fencing. Yeah. Or whatever from the Wii sports game. And and like you mentioned before, you know, it's not as refined as Skyward Sword, which we looked it up, and that came out like four years later, right? Yeah, I think it was 2011 that it came out, and this was 2007. So, so as usual, Dragon Quest was kind of inventive and, um, you know, was thinking ahead uh, there. But, um, and the weird thing about this one is, like, talking just about that alone, it's made me kind of want to play Skyward Sword that going through this one and dealing with these motion controls make me think that I might be able to deal with the Skyward Sword controls because they're still better than this. And so I've played Skyward Sword, and I've quit Skyward Sword because of the controls. Um, And I I may have told you this already, but the difference there is that Dragon Quest Swords, uh, you know, I checked the save file, by the way, after I beat the final boss, and you can save it again. Yeah. And uh, it was nine and a half hours. So okay. We're ri- so we were right around there with the, uh, with uh, like, how long to beat or whatever. Yep. So it took us about nine and a half hours to do it. Um, but uh, the, and that's the thing, is that it's, it's nine and a half hours, which is relatively short. Skyward Sword is a very long game and like I I'd played I played Skyward Sword way longer and just had gotten to the uh, the forest temple the first temp- temple in the game right and what made me quit is there's spiders that drop down at, uh, in that dungeon and you have to like you're swinging on like these vine things and trying to get this correct slash going right um, and it's just Anyway, I wish they would remake Skyward Sword for Switch or something and maybe have an option to just play it on like a real controller. I see that so much that it's a that's good, what people It's want. a good game. I love the art style and the story and world are cool, but the controllers are just so bad. So I, I would not recommend Skyward Sword to you just because Dragon Quest Swords, I think I think they were smart in making it not like nine to ten hours to play through the main story. Yeah. Um instead of having a full, like, 40-hour game. And if it had been 40 hours, there's no way you and I would have even played the 10 that we did. That it would have just been, like, yep, that exists. Oh, yeah, we would have played it for a little while to see what it was like, and maybe maybe we would have gotten 10 hours into it, but we wouldn't have, like, beaten it. Maybe. I I don't think I would have beaten it. Maybe you would have, but I I don't think I would have. (laughs) So, Kyle, like you mentioned... Uh, I think we're going to do a Rocket Slime episode next week, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, If I haven't beaten it by then, I will have uh, gotten through enough of it to be able to really have have feelings about it more than I do right now, just being an hour or two in. So we're going to have our first ever uh, Patreon-selected episode. Uh, DJ Pimp Daddy wanted a Rocket Slime episode, so we played Rocket Slime. We're going to talk about it next week, Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys for listening uh, to us today and all the people who uh, who joined us on Twitter for our 
Dragon Quest Swords uh, playthrough and failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun, though. Had a good time with it. Um, and so remember, uh, you can always talk to us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. Uh, you can visit our site, which is uh, DragonQuest.FM. You can talk to me personally at underscore Austin underscore King. Uh, you can also keep up with my weekly Dragon Quest blog. That is DragonQuestAustin.com. You can find me on Twitter as at Professor Beege. You can listen to me even more on my other podcast, the geek to geek podcast, that you can find at at Geek2GeekCast on Twitter or at Geek2GeekCast.com. Um, we have a Slack and a Discord uh, server that you guys can join if you just want to hang out at Discord.Geek2GeekMedia.com or Slack.Geek2GeekMedia.com. And we have tons of other shows in the network. We have geek to 2 Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, uh, a couple of really good... Good, uh, live streamers with Troidal Power and Capsule J. Uh, just an all-around wonderful group of people, and we would love for you to join in on our community. Just let's be friends. All right, that does it for this week. Uh, thanks, everybody. All right, bye, everybody. Bye.